Tonight, we're going to read in uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. And, uh, but before we do that, this is the story of Lazarus and the rich man's parable. In order to study the Bible, a lot of people just read it and, and, and they say, oh, that's a great verse. I'll, I'll remember that one or this. And always remember the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. I've seen Christians take Bible verses out of context and, and apply them to situations where that's not what the writer intended. God's word is always true. Remember in 2 Timothy, I think it was in the third chapter, where it, where it says all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, inspired by God and suitable for rebuke, uh, proof, and teaching. All scripture, Paul says, is inspired by God. It's up to us as Christians to study the Bible in such a way that we understand what God wants us to know, you know, uh, and not draw our own conclusions. I think, I think in the church today, one of the weaknesses I see is that, that people are, you know, well, that's wrong. So let's, let's concentrate on that. Or this is wrong. Let's concentrate on that. And we have so much, so many denominations, so many, so much disagreement about what God wants for us that we shouldn't have. It shouldn't be there. Because there's only one Savior. There's only one God, one true God. There's only one Savior, and there's only one heaven, there's only one hell. And all of us need to understand that. Today we're going to start, and there's a lot of things been on my mind because I haven't had an opportunity to, to do this for a while. Uh, some things that, that have been uh, bothering me, uh, and I, I prepared a lesson on the flood, and I was going to teach that tonight, and I, and I got away from it. I, I, I thought, man, that's, that's almost too big for one night because it, we know that they built the Ark Museum down there, and, and a lot of people protested it, you know, and they protested the Creation Museum. They, they protest everything, you know. Well, that's not really true. If you built a mosque, they wouldn't protest that because Satan don't give a hoot about that. Satan cares about moving the word around and, and taking people away from him. And so he, he attacks and he uses people to do that. But uh, one of the things I, I, I realized when I got into that was that the great minds of the past, the people like Newton and Galileo and Copernicus and Francis Bacon and all those people that come up with these great innovations, they did it based on the knowledge that God created everything. You know, scientists today, they, they, they depart and they go, they go into their own thing and think, you know, there's uh, the Big Bang Theory, for example. Well, they call it a Big Bang Theory because if they, if they called it what it is, a Big Bang guess, it doesn't sound too scientific. And then they, then they go on and talk about it like it's a fact. We don't know that it's a fact, it's a guess. But the, the, the great minds that got us on the right track, Newton said, 
do not give me credit. I stand on the shoulder of the giants that went before. And he, he was uh, one of the proponents. That he was at odds with the church at one time because the church thought the, that the earth was flat and the sun went around it. And he said, no, that's probably not right. But they said, well, you better not say that because we could throw you out. And so he didn't say that. But, <laughs> but uh, great minds in the past have led us to the discoveries of the day, but they, they understood that God was at the center of everything. And I think it's important for us to understand that too, that, that because you get inundated in this, in this world today with a lot of false teachings, and Jesus warned us about that, that there's going to be a lot of false teaching in end times. Now, when I say end times, everything after the resurrection of Christ is end times, okay? That's, that's a time in which we're in. The church age is now, okay? But I, when I read a lot of that, it, it sure sounded like uh, God was at odds with what was going on in the world and it sounded like what we're going on now. There's a lot of um, apocalyptic viewpoints going on now because of the war in Ukraine and, and uh, China building up, trying to take over Taiwan and all these things sort of bother people. It doesn't bother me that much because I, my time is short and I'm going to be with the Lord. And that's the hope that we need to hang on to. Having said all that, let's turn to Luke chapter 16. Let's see here. I'm going to be sure I get the right, the right starting place. Uh, and in verse, man, that's small print, a number is, but I think it's 19. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in, a, in luxury every day. At his gate, there laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now we have a parable. Jesus is, these are the words of Jesus and he is, he's talking about a parable. Now, Understand about parable. Parables are illustrations. These people may or may not have existed. That's not the point. But the story and what happens is real. It does exist. And Jesus has given us, is going to give us some insights into what happens after we die. So many Christians think, well, I'm going to go right to heaven or I'm going to do this. There's, and they mess up the timeline. Okay. The timeline is on its way to the rapture. Know what the rapture is. Bible, Bible doesn't call it rapture, but it, there have been a couple of raptures before. Enoch was raptured. He did not die. Elijah did not die. But those are the only two until the next one. And that's the next event on the Christian timeline on the calendar. The rapture of the, of the church. But if that doesn't come for a while, then all of us are going to die. You know, you can't, mortality rates 100%. We're going to die. Well, almost 100%. You have to remember Enoch and, and Elijah. But we're all going to die. Well, what happens when we die? We, we take the body to the cemetery to bury it in most cases. And it lays there. But the soul don't go with it. The soul is departed the word cemetery comes from the Latin word, which means sleeping place. It's a place of rest, 
until you are resurrected at the at at the rapture. Okay, that makes sense. So your soul, which is within you, never stops. It just goes to be in heaven, or if you're not saved, go someplace else. And that's what that's what Lazarus and the rich man. Now Jesus used the rich man as an example. He was dressed in purple. And the fact that Lazarus laid outside the gate and longed for the food, what's that tell you? He probably didn't get any of it, right? You know, if, if the rich man had been saying, hey, take these crumbs to Lazarus, Jesus would have said that. But that's not what happened. So the rich man was living in sin, and Lazarus, the name Lazarus means, I forget the name. Does anybody know what the name Lazarus means? It's, it has something to do with God is with me or something like that. I, I, I can't quote it exactly, but but that the, the fact that Jesus used the name Lazarus says that this was probably a man of, of God, okay? So we have a story of a guy that's living in luxury, and there's nothing wrong with being rich, by the way. You can, you can have things. It's what you do with what you have that counts, okay? There's nothing wrong with being affluent. If you're affluent for, for God, that's a good thing. But if you, if you just live for this world, one of these days you're going to be sadly disappointed, sadly disappointed, as this man is going to become. So reading on, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Some of the old, uh, your translation is made to the bosom of Abraham. That is a Jewish term that means a place of bliss. Now, uh, you hear people talk, we got a song said, meet me at the Eastern gate. We, got, we think about heaven the way it's described in Revelation. That's the new heaven. Heaven now is not described as, as distinctly as it is in Revelation. That's, that's what's coming when the new city comes down to Jerusalem and Jesus comes to reign on this earth for a thousand years. That's after the tribulation. And all of us who are born again believers will be with him in our resurrected body. We'll be resurrected. But until that time, until that time, your soul departs from your body and your body goes to that place of rest waiting for the rapture. And you get a what we call a spiritual body. That is, you feel things, you know things, you see things. We can't understand what goes on in heaven because we're not there. But we know from this passage that, that you feel things and you, see, and you have senses. So let's read on. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell uh, where he was tormented and looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now, think about that for a minute. What, what does that tell you? There is a hell, and people go there after they die. 
if they're not saved. There is a hell. People go there when they die if they're not saved. And even though their body is in the grave, they feel things. He says, I'm agonizing in this fire. He's feeling things. He sees things. He sees, man, to me, that would be the worst, wouldn't it? Oh, I could have decided to accept Jesus as my Savior, but I decided this path, and now I look up and I see Abraham, and I can see Moses, and I can see the people in heaven and how good they got it, and here I am burning to death. Only I ain't going to die. This is going to go on forever. And to me, uh, that's these are the words of Jesus. So that's pretty clear. There's a lot of thought in the world you know, that everything's going to be just what it's going to be, and you got no control over anything, and and that you don't have any decisions to make. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is he's telling people this for a reason: make the right choice, choose to believe and trust in the Savior. Something else. Uh, the reason they didn't uh, talk about streets of gold and all that, that doesn't really exist yet. This is before Christ went to the cross. So they had to go to this place of bliss, we'll call it, where everything was okay in the bosom of Abraham. And he called, he called out to Father Abraham. You notice they never say the word grandfather in the Bible. Abraham's the father, even though he had... Generation, generation. He he was actually a great great grandfather or something, but they still called him father, father Abraham. They called uh, Isaac father. They called uh, Jacob father. That uh, so because they were the descendants from them, uh, and so as as Lazarus and 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 Abraham in Abraham's bosom, they look over and they see. And I got to thinking about that when I read that. Wait a minute. Do people in heaven see what's going on down here? Now, I look for that in the Bible, and it doesn't really say that anywhere, but it implies it in several places. The implication is yes, the short answer is that yes, people in heaven can see what's going on, not only in hell, but on earth. You know, and we don't really have time to get into talking about where I found all that. But that was that was a curiosity that I've always had. Does my mother see what I'm doing? Because if she does, I better clean up a little bit. <laughs> but you know, because because when I get there, she's going to tell me about. Dale met my mom. He knows. <laughs> Dale Dale liked my mom, but we won't. <laughs> she thought Dale was Brother Steve's son. <laughs> so, and of course. Uh, we know that Dale was maybe a little older than Steve, weren't you? A year and a month. Anyway, when they went to see her, she, she asked Steve if that was his son. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty funny, but she didn't. She would. Uh, my mom would tell you how how it is. She, if you want to know who my mom was, if you took Lou Ella and made her a little more feisty. <laughs> <laughs> She was like that. She was. Um, oh, I think maybe. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, they, the wood boys were hard to handle. Uh, I was the good one. <laughs> and I wasn't all that good. But uh, 
you know, when I, I, uh, I, one of my favorite songs is uh, A Sinner Saved by Grace. You ever listen to that song? I think, man, that's me. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. If it wasn't for grace, I'd be in trouble <laughs> because I ain't done enough good stuff to, to make it. But uh, people in heaven see what's going on. They see what's going on. And you have to take my word for that. And you can look it up if you want. Uh, the Bible implies it in several cases. Paul talks about the uh, the people, the, the witnesses in the cloud watching us as we run our race over in Hebrews. Uh, uh, I think that's Hebrews, Hebrew chapter 12, I believe. Uh, and so they see what's going on, and that's what this parable is telling us. See, Jesus is telling us this story for a reason, to give us insights as to what happens when we die. When you die, they're going to take your body and they're going to put it in a box and put it in the ground and it's going to start going away. But when Jesus returns, what, what's the, the, the rapture say? You know, let's, let's look over there and see that. That's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If I can get there real quick and I didn't mark this and I apologize. There, chapter 4. And I think down... Verse 13, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, which means they die, or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and, though, and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's own word, and we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until his coming, the coming of the Lord, will certainly not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the shout of the archangel, and the trumpet of the uh, call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise, rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's why we believe in the rapture, because Paul tells us that that's the way it's going to happen. So the dead in Christ will rise. What's that mean? They'll be resurrected. So until that time, their bodies are asleep in the cemetery. They have a spiritual body awaiting that event in heaven. Well, it kind of also symbolizing the bodies of the saints that were dead that came up out of the grave and was walking around after Jesus' crucifixion. Yeah. But they didn't stay. No. I mean, we're not going to stay either, <laughs> yeah. but it just yeah. kind of. But that's right. Yeah. Like, that uh, appeared to many, it says. And, the saints that had, had gone to sleep. Um, yeah. So, and I, you know, I, I used to think, well, what about uh, people that, you know, maybe, have you, have you ever seen the, the film, the, the evidence of the Hiroshima bomb blast? It actually vaporized people. Well, I was, I was reading a commentary that a, that a scientist, that's, I forget the fellow's name, but he's a Christian scientist. And he says, every element, every molecule that's ever existed, still exist. If you think that God can't put it back together, you don't know 
anything about God. God can reassemble this body. You know, I, I, I would make a few changes myself, but, <laughs> but God knows what he's doing, so we'll leave it to him. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wish it could have been different, but it wasn't. So when God, when Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will be resurrected to be caught up with him in the air, and that's probably going to be me, okay, because I don't, he may return before I die. Time's getting short for me. I say, I, every night when I pray, I say, Lord, you know, why don't, why don't you make it tomorrow? Because I got some stuff I don't want to do, and, and I could get out of it. And my mother used to say, I hope I die in the fall because I hate winter. <laughs> and she said, it'd be awful to live through a bad winter and then die in the spring when everything's looking up. <laughs> she died in September. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Ecclesiastes tells us that nobody can change the place of the time where they're going to die. So, uh, and that's a whole other Bible study. But so, your body is, but your soul is still very conscious of what's going on. That's what we're going to read on here about. Your soul never dies. Nope. Your soul, your soul doesn't sleep when you sleep. Did you know that? That's why you dream. <laughs> your soul never sleeps. It's always active. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so, and. So as we read on here, well, well, it says, Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, there is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to us. There's a great something between, it's like a valley that you can't get through. You know, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, you see, man, I'd like to be over there, but I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's worse than that. But people in heaven can see what's going on over there. Now, that brings up a point. Well, I thought, isn't heaven a place where there's no sadness, no sorrow? No tears up there. And so then, what if. Okay. Where'd you get that idea? What if your loved one is down there? Yeah. That's all the questions we have. Isn't it? What? Where did you get the idea there's no tears in heaven? In Revelation, right? Revelation chapter 21 said he'll wipe away all the tears from their eyes. But that is after the new heaven and the new earth. Why, why would he wipe away the tears if there were none? There is sadness in heaven. There is remorse for those that are lost. I believe. I believe there's evidence of that here. Abraham didn't look on the rich man like, see, you got what you deserve. No, that's not the way people think. Not, not in heaven. Abraham didn't feel that way. Abraham himself was a rich man. 
But uh, now what about, I've, this is my, my question has always been, well, Lord, how can I ever be happy if somebody that I love didn't make it? How can I ever be happy if somebody that I love didn't make it? And, and out of that thinking rises the, the, the philosophy that some people have. I heard a preacher say this one time. I believe that the wages of sin is death. Death is the absence of life. Therefore, if you're not saved, when you die, you're done. Well, that's not what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is not saying that. God will work that out. That's what I've, the conclusion that I've come to with that because, you know, I've got seven sons and eight grandkids. Man, I hope they all make it. But I'm not in control of that. All I can do is witness and tell them, hey, how important this is. And when I get to thinking about it, I think about salvation and how important it is. And I look out and I see how unimportant it seems to people. It disturbs me a lot. You know, don't you understand the choice you make? You know, it's going to, you know, you've made choices in your life. You chose, you know, you made a choice to come here tonight. You made choices about, about your relationships and, and about your financial investments. All those choices you've made have had great consequences in your life, but nothing has the consequences of to choose Jesus or not. You know, nothing has that consequence. And it's so obvious and so simple that you wonder, once you do it, you wonder, well, what stopped me? What kept me from doing it? Now, I've been saved a long time. Uh, I got saved when I was little. And, you know, uh, some churches talk about the, the uh, what do you call it, the age of accountability and all that. You know, the Bible don't talk about that. But as far, you know, Jesus said, suffer the little children come to me. You know, when a, when a little one comes up front, in some churches they don't, oh, nah, you better wait. We'll talk about that when you're older. No, don't do that. Talk, you know, if a little one wants to be saved, that's because the Holy Spirit's talking to that young one. Now, it may be more emotion than devotion, but it's still there and, they, and they guide them. As an understanding at that age, now as they get older and they understand it better, you know, then, you know, that's we're growing and they can, you know, and there have been some people, you know, even in our church, you were baptized as adults that were maybe saved when they were teenagers. But because they came to a better understanding, they wanted to rededicate their lives to Christ and showing that, you know, their growth in that, that relationship. Yeah, you can be baptized two or three times if you need to be. <laughs> but, you know, it, because that uh, baptism is, a, is just the outward sign of, hey, this is what I stand for. Uh, we're commanded to do that. And uh, <laughs> so we didn't answer the question about, but I, I believe that there is sorrow in heaven. I believe that that when when Abraham looked out and saw the, you know, that Jesus intended for us to know that Abraham said, you know, remember what you did, you know. Now let's read on. He said, he answered then, I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warm them so that they will not 
also come to this place of torment. And that takes me to a, a topic that if you are, you know, uh, I had a preacher say this to me one time. He said, I wish people wouldn't call me to do funerals for people that I think are lost because it's so hard. And I said, the gospel is the gospel and it's good news. The people that are lost, as far as I know, you can't pray them out of where they are. They made their choice. But does that mean you say, well, they're in a better place? I've heard that said about people that I thought, I ain't so sure that's true. You know, I, I, I said this before. You can pray and hope. But the truth of the gospel is the truth of the gospel, and we cannot change that, and we, we're not allowed to change that, and we shouldn't, should never, ever, you know, say, oh, yeah, you're okay to somebody that's not. We're saying somebody's not. You don't, because the other thing is we don't know their heart. That's true. You know, yeah. when you look at what David that's, and all the things he did, but he was a man Yeah, he did a lot of bad things. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the truth of the matter is, there was a tremendous price to be paid for that. Uh, we know the story. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we don't know their heart. But the, the truth about salvation is, it's like uh, Brother John's sermon on simplicity. I hope you got that, where he said, the man in the middle cross said I could come. It's, it is that simple. Salvation is, believe. Paul said, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Now that believing in your heart the hardest part. That's faith. And Satan attacks that viciously. He said, oh, man, are you sure, Dave? Are you sure that there even was a Jesus? Come on, Dave. Don't listen to that kind of stuff. Have that faith. Pray for that faith. Pray for that faith to strengthen your faith because your faith is what saved you. You remember Jesus talked about the woman that touched the hem. Your faith has saved you. It didn't heal you. It saved you. You're healed because I can do that. I can do that. So, he has five brothers, and he wants Lazarus to go tell them about this place. So what's Abraham, Abraham said? Abraham replied, they've got Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And I thought, when I read that, I thought, do you know there were people that followed Jesus other than the 12? Like, I think uh, some accounts he appeared to like 500 people after the resurrection. And those people had followed him around. They had seen him heal the blind, blind from death, from birth. They'd seen that happen. They'd seen people that were beggars with their legs twisted and never walked, leap for joy. They had seen him feed the 5,000 men with the loaves and the fishes. They had seen all these things. But when he started talking about persecution and being suffering and taking up your cross, they left. A lot of them left. That's when he asked the disciples, will you too leave me? When Peter said, where can we go? You have the words of salvation. 
people who saw, who walked with Jesus, who saw him do those things, still said no. What makes Lazarus, what makes the rich man think that that his brothers are going to, they're probably throwing Lazarus out. He's gone. So I've been, I've been dead. I've gone to heaven. I've come to tell you, you know, but one thing that a dead person in hell would want more than anything else is to let his relatives, the people he cares about or she cares about, know that you don't want to come to this place. Okay. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses or the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone comes from the dead. The Bible is pretty plain and pretty, and, and the evidence of the truth of the Bible is overwhelming once you get studying it. I think that one of the things that uh, that I I learned a long time ago was that uh, reading the Bible is not enough. You got to dig deeper. You got to know what's this story mean. So if we think about this story, what's it tell us? It tells us one one thing: when we die, there's some place that our soul goes, and it's very aware. It sees, you know, remember what the what the rich man said, this fire, I'm in agony. Give me a drop of water just to cool my tongue. He had a tongue. And now, the body wasn't the body that he lived in while he was on earth. That's waiting until the end to be resurrected and, and stand before the throne of judgment. But he could feel. He knew where he was. Okay. Heaven is real. We go there. And Jesus said to the thief on the cross, what did you say? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today, you know, you're going to die. You know, that thief on the cross, he didn't think, well, he's going to pull me off here and we're going to be cool. No, he knew he was going to die. Nobody comes down off the cross alive. Okay. Uh, so Jesus said today, okay. Now, before we before we close, and I don't know what time it is. Well, we got time. The 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 way this works in the grand scheme of things is if you're alive when Jesus returns, you will be raptured. You will not die. Okay? But if Jesus, if you don't make it that long, which up until now nobody's made it, so then you die and you go to this place called heaven that's the first heaven and it's wonderful. You are in comfort. But there is the physicality of the sadness of, of the state of the world and you're able to see what's going on. But on this grand scheme of life, we are awaiting the rapture, which different preachers preach this different, different Theologians see this different, but there is a period of tribulation. We know about the tribulation, right? That's yet to come. I think we're fast approaching it, but, you know, things can change. We could have a revival and we could go on another 150, 200 years more. We may not. We don't know. But 
when the church is raptured, now so most of us Baptists believe that it rapture, then the seven-year tribulation, then Jesus returns. Jesus does not return for the rapture. Well, we meet him in the clouds, right? In the air. We're brought up to be with the ones that have gone on before. You know, it's comforting to me to know that uh, when you see somebody, you know him. He, this, this man that was in hell, he saw Abraham, he knew him. Now, Abraham died many years before Jesus. So, when we, when we make it to heaven, we enter a, a, a time of more awareness. You know, my mom and dad know each other in heaven. You know, they're friends, you know, because they were always friends. You know, I, I wish that every marriage could be like my mother and father's marriage from because uh, it was it was something to behold. Because uh, I tell you, she was the most important person in the world to him. And he was the most important person in the world to her. And there was no doubt that that was the case. No doubt. You know, I told my wife, I said, you need to be more like my mom. That didn't go over very good. <laughs> said, she told me I could be more like my dad. It'd be, it might work out. But, but, but in heaven, they're not married anymore because Jesus said, there's no marriage in heaven. We're all above that. We're all beyond that. You think, well, we think about the, yeah, we're all brothers and sisters, you know, no grandfathers, all just fathers. <laughs> God doesn't have any grandchildren, just children. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 they, you don't forget things. And uh, so, but what about the people who are in hell waiting the end? They don't get raptured. They don't go to heaven. They don't live in the thousand year millennial reign. Jesus returns to earth at the end of Armageddon to reign on this earth. And then you and I, born again believers, will be reunited with our body and we will be physical beings on this earth for 1,000 years. And Jesus will be the king. And the evil will be moved out. And Satan will be bound and thrown in the bottomless pit, it says. Okay, for a thousand years. But at the end of the thousand years, then the rest, the lost, will be resurrected. Okay? And they will stand before the great throne of judgment. And ain't no excuse good enough. No reason good enough. You know. Say that again, because I, you know, there are, there's a lot of different thoughts, but I, I will say there will be, uh, you got to remember during the tribulation, after the church is raptured, all the Christians will be gone. But there are those that have been under conviction that didn't make the decision that realize what it is. And they're, there are some schools of thought that there will be a lot of people saved during tribulation. But once you die, it's done. You got no chance. Once you die, you got no chance as far as what I read in the Bible. But during the tribulation, the lost people who didn't make it in the rapture, they're not dead yet. Okay. But a third of them die during the tribulation. A third of the earth is going to die. 
what the Bible says. That, uh, and we we don't have time to get into Revelation too much tonight because that's a, that takes several weeks and you still don't understand it. But during the during the tribulation, there's evidence, at least, and what I read that that people will be will come to saving grace. I know. What put yourself in that place? You you've been in church all this time, but you've never really committed. You never walked down and said, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and want to make him Lord of my life. But you've heard the sermons. You're not stupid. And you know what happened. What, what would be the first thing on your mind? Uh-oh. I ain't dead yet, so I need to make a decision for the Lord right now. Yeah, and I think that'll happen. I believe that'll happen during tribulation. Well, you're talking about the 144,000? Yeah, that, that Okay, you know what? That That's about the 12,000. And that's, I believe that to be a symbolic number. The Jews get a second chance, according to what John wrote in Revelation. 12,000 each from each of the 12 tribes. That's 144,000. will get receive a second chance to, to accept the Messiah. Because you know, they've been lied to all this time, been told. You know, he's he's yet to come. You know, I. Uh, so will that be during the tribulation? Will that be during the tribulation? Yeah, yeah. At, at the end of it, yeah. And that's we don't want. I I'm gonna I'm not gonna get too deep into Revelation because we'll be here all night if you want. Well, I, we, I don't have any place to go, but they probably run us out of here. But. Uh, that, that is the timeline that we're under. So what do we know about heaven and hell? They're real. We know that people are there and they feel. You know, this the beggar, his sores are healed. He's that body's that is corruptible. What what did Paul say when we put on when Jesus returns and we are resurrected in him, we put on incorruption. In other words, the imperfections of your body you have now, and all of you have them, some, some like me more than others, all that's going to be fixed. Man, oh man, would I like to feel good again. You remember, remember how it was uh, when I was in high school? I know you wouldn't believe this, but I ran cross country, and uh, my, my pulse rate was somewhere in the low 50s, got down in the 40s sometimes. And I could run, I could run two and a half miles without breathing hard. I can't do that no more. <laughs> but I sure would like to be able to. <laughs> Dale used to be fast. We called him the fastest man in blue jeans. But uh, And I think he probably still can move a little bit. You can still move a little bit, but it ain't near as fast as it used to be, huh? Well, when you put on incorruption, God's going to fix it all. And during his reign, it says the saints, which all the born-again believers are saints, will attend to the affairs of this world. What's that mean? Does it mean we're still going to have some trouble? <coughs> well, there's, you know, there's going to be people born during that time. Yeah. Well, that means people are going to get married. It's not going to be heaven. It's going to be a millennial reign on earth. Then heaven comes, and the new heaven, and the new earth comes, and that's where the, the gates, the pearly gates come from, the gates of pearl. Mansion, mansion on the beach. 
It's on the hill, isn't it? I've got a mansion over the hilltop or something like that. Oh, it's got to be on on the beach, doesn't it? <laughs> what a, you know? Uh, I was I, I started studying this because the the uh, years ago I, I started digging into this and because I was teaching Sunday school and I didn't there was a lot I didn't know and so I thought well I better know because people are going to ask me some questions. So I started studying a lot of things and things that I didn't understand is, is, is heaven going to be physical or just spiritual? It's going to be physical. It's going to be physical. Now, can you imagine everybody likes everybody? There is no pain. You can go fishing whenever you want or whatever you want to do. You're going to, and everybody you meet, they're not going to have been gossiping about you 10 minutes before and, and they're all going to be friends and brothers and sisters. It's all going to be like that. But even more than that, all of our needs and all the tears will be wiped away and all the sorrow removed. I don't know how God's going to do that. I don't understand that, how it can happen, but he's going to do it because he promised us he would. Peace. Yeah. You know that the, the uh, Paul talked about the peace of God's understanding. When you finally grasp, finally, and even as Christians, there's a lot of miserable Christians. You know that. You know some of them probably. People that that don't fully grasp what the gift you've been given. When you fully grasp that, you can start to feel that peace. And no matter what comes your way, no matter what problem you have today you know sickness and we all we all experience it we've all had loved ones we lost all of us have we've had we've seen tragedy in the world all around us and yet you have that peace that knowledge of knowing that god's in charge he's going to work it out in the end and it's going to be okay and nobody's going to cry anymore once Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom. And I think I've done, I've talked about all I can talk tonight. You know, when I prepare these things, I never know how long they're going to last. And uh, I always have a, another 15 minutes I can do, but, uh, but we won't do that tonight. If not, let's all bow together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you allowed us to come in and to study your word. Father, we thank you for the lessons that we learn and share together. Father, we we pray that, that you would continue to watch over our church and lead us in, in the way you would have us go. Father, we know that a great revival is needed. So, Lord, stir our hearts and, and, and move us. Let the Holy Spirit work in, in our church, Lord, for we want to do what's pleasing in your eyes and not what pleases man. Father, as we pray for these that have come out tonight, we pray that you would go with them, that you would protect them from evil in all circumstances, Lord, that you would guide their lives, be with them, keep them in your will. Father, we pray for, for those that, that are sick or hurting or that have suffered loss among us, Lord. You know who they are, and so, Lord, we, we surrender them to you. 
Father, we know that, that you are the giver of life and the giver of salvation. And Lord, we, we thank you so much for that. Now go with us as we depart. Be with us all. And we thank you and give you the praise for it all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.